Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Hello, welcome to Let Me Talk Details, a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. This is a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. I'm David Mooney. As ever, alongside me is Sam Lee. All right. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, good. Good. And uh, we've also got former City defender Nader Manua. I'm back again, I'm back again. Can't keep you away, can we? Yes, sir. So, Sam, what are we talking about today? Yeah, all sorts. We've got rivalries, what the Etihad would look like with the new home end, and superstitions in football and life in general. Good. Well, uh, that's all to come. It's a platform for you to get involved as well. We'd love to hear from you. So email us hello at lmtpod.com if you've got questions, thoughts, or general ponderings about City or football in general. This is the free version of the podcast. If you'd like longer ad-free versions earlier, then head over to lmtpod.com for information on how to become a member. Cajun says, uh, any players that Nadem just didn't enjoy playing against for whatever reason? I think that's a good question because it would just depend because some players are very, very good. But then like it's the makeup of their team that makes them worse in some well, in some ways. You're is, gonna be in Steven Island territory here. Is is there a is, I'm is, not, trust me. Is there a no way one to, deserves to go in there ever. Go is on. there a way to categorize these as players who you just didn't like personally and players you hated playing against because they were they they were a real tough challenge? Uh Every forward is a tough challenge in some way, shape or form. You know, some some of them have got like great movements, some have got like great physical attributes, some of them are just like great finishers and some are just like inevitable. You know, I, I hated being on the field with those inevitable ones, you know. It doesn't matter what you're doing in the game, at some point the ball's gonna drop to them and they're gonna kick it into your goal and it's likely gonna be a winning goal. Like that breaks you a little bit. But then there are games where you play against the likes of like Jamie Vardy and when the game's finished, he might have tackled you more times than you've tackled him. That's no fun. You know, the ones where <laughs> you know your team's trying to press or whatever, then there's a channel ball come in and the channel ball goes, you're in the in the lead, you're just running, but then you're saying, <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> Trust me, that's no fun, especially when playing them away from home. But then there are other players who, um, who are a bit clever. So when I was at Sunderland, I played against Chelsea at home and I was playing right back. And Lampard was technically on the left, but he was playing off the left. So everybody on the field, apart from me, had an assignment where they knew who to get to and what to do. And I was just standing at right back and Lampard was nowhere near me at all for the whole game. So it's like I'm sort of costing the team. 
but I still have but to you, protect the right centre back. I was going to say positionally, you can't just go wandering no, and. No, I couldn't because the width would come from like, maybe like an Ashley Cole or someone like that. But that's but he, he time his runs pretty well. So you're just standing there like, am I playing in this game? I suppose it'd be similar to, I've done it only a couple of times when you're playing against a false nine. Again, you're there, but are you really doing anything? Mm. But then you know that you can't just go hunting because the moment yeah, you, if do, you do something, then that's that's the game. Yeah. So um, Lampard had a sense of inevitability as well. Like, listen, you're defending so well, everybody's throwing their bodies at stuff, and then the ball drops at the edge of the box, and he hits it. It's him. It's him. You know what I mean? It's him. So I didn't enjoy that. And then just for like just the physical side of things, and just like having a breather, like Jamie Vardy just never gave you any of that. Like he was such a good player. But he had that sort of like low league dog in him as well. And listen, it's hard work that. You mentioned the channel ball and, you know, someone coming up behind it, especially away from home. Like it must be horrible anyway, but what's the slight difference with it being away from home? With it being away from home, the crowd are geeing on that player to run after it, you know. So like, I think we saw a few of those when City played Arsenal at the Etihad. I think Ruben Diaz just headed a ball into space and Haaland was chasing it down and Holden had the ball. Holden kicks it out. And the crowd is celebrating it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When people celebrate you just kicking the ball out for a throw-in, it shows that, <laughs> that you, you know, you're in a you're in a bad spot. So as Why I say, is it, like, it it's a bad spot because you've just given them the ball in your territory. Yeah. Does it get to you? But then if you're at home, if you're if you're at home, they want to see you show a level of composure and just roll it back to the goalkeeper. And maybe the opposition team are more on the back foot, so they won't press you as hard. And you know that if you can deal with that one person, they've probably not got support behind it. But when you're playing away, everybody's on the front foot. Mm. You know, they don't really have a choice in said matter. So, you know, the ball just kicking it into Rosette is like, is a play. And worse still, with the channel ball, the worst ones to defend are the ones which aren't actually like technically that good. Just a big high thing. And they just stay in. That just stays in play and is <laughs> bouncing high. Like, it's a dream come true for some attackers because they know they're not going to get there first. But they know they can really affect what you're going to do next. So... Oh, for God's sake, channel balls. There's a, there's a thing, no matter how nice a team plays and tactically and all that stuff in 2023, there is still some level of beauty to just playing a ball into the space and getting someone to chase it because it means that the defender has to be honest and it's a great way to win territory, as we saw with City doing it because they can pass you to death or they can just hit one down the channel for the six-foot-four striker that wants to run down there and go and try and affect it. Yeah. That's a different game, isn't it? If the question is, the best players you've played against on this specific day, for most people, they can know about the players. You just say you've you've been on the same pitch as yeah. Ronaldo, so therefore Ronaldo. Yeah, like as like I said, like Ronaldo, uh, sorry, not Ronaldo, Rooney was one of the toughest players I've ever played against. But he didn't doesn't mean he played well in every single game that I did do it. Mm. And if we beat them, I wouldn't leave the field and just remember that more so than say the fact that Rooney's still one of the best players I've ever played against because they all have their own sort of like things. And if it was a case of the only good players are the ones who play well when you play against them. Then some of the players who we might talk about might be some of the most obscure people yeah. you've probably ever heard of, you know what I mean? Because well, who, was, who was the Italian guy that you always tell me about in the under-21s? Uh, Giampaolo Pazzini. That's it. Unbelievable striker yeah, he was yeah, yeah. for the 21s. But then I can't say like he's the best striker I've ever played against as such. He gave me, I gave us for England, I think he's got a hat-trick when Wembley first reopened. So he's iconic from that standpoint, but his then international career from then didn't end up being as good as it could have been. So I can't, I just, not that I can't, I just wouldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a way to read the room. And when you're talking about other people, if you're then bringing yourself into it, then before you know it, the comparison's directly there. And even myself, I'm acutely aware of, say, 
I speak to Sam all the time about like defensive things and so on and so forth, like to the point where our conversations are so boring. But but the fact is, thanks for listening. I'm acute. <laughs> yeah, I'm acutely aware of the fact that if I'm going to be talking about people who will be perceived to be better than me when it comes down to football, I have to talk about it in a certain way. And I can't make it seem like I'm talking them down and saying they're no good because they've all had better careers than I've had. So the stuff that I'm saying, I need to be able to back it up through talking generally about football instead of my relationship to them. Like if Alexander Arnold can't defend for something, I'll say, well, you know, I faced this guy before and I, you know, I, he didn't get the better of me. All of a sudden it's like, am I comparing myself to Alexander Arnold when the topic should be about Alexander Arnold and not myself, if that makes sense? I see what you mean. Yeah, I'm acutely, I've got to be very careful that because people, the way the world works, listen, all the, all the stuff you've done in your career yeah. is very much readily available. So unless it's perfect, you got to pick and choose. You can make the best point ever, but people know that like you conceded six against Chelsea in like March of 2007. <laughs> I forgot so, about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as a consequence, you've just got to be, just just dial it down just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're a bit like that when we just talk about City generally. Like, how many times do I say about the Guardiola thing? Like, who, who do you think knows more about it? Who do you think's got more information and more experience and more knowledge about it? Guardiola or us saying, oh, we should have played like Rico Lewis today yeah. and give someone a rest. Like what? Based yeah, on what? That's probably a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But yeah. then that doesn't make for good content. That's the thing. Yeah, it does. No, <laughs> that's why we're here, mate. No, no, no. Because we all know, we all know, and people listening to this, watching this, you all know people who say, who go on there and say, this is what should have happened. That's what should have happened. I think they're called, is it the Monday morning managers or something like that? The ones who okay. know, the ones Never who know exactly, that, but I like it. The ones who know that's a great name for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah no, don't is it take too, it. Is it too light? <laughs> <laughs> do you know the ones that know exactly why a team lost and all they needed to do to win it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, come on. It's never that well, simple. It was it was the Real Madrid first leg where I, I said to you, finally, I get it. I get the no subs thing because I was sat there watching the game thinking, this game needs fresh legs. Don't know what I'd change. Don't want to change you. anything. Thank you. That's one of my, that's the Monday morning manager thing when people know the right change that would have made a difference within a game Should itself. have brought fresh legs on. Really? Go and, on then. But the way we talk about fresh legs sometimes, it's almost like we forget that somebody has to come off for somebody else to mm. come on. And the people who are on the field, more often than not, you do trust them. And you can sense when someone's having a bad game or whatever. Or, sorry, not a bad game. Not having a game as good as they can have. But all those people on the field are still capable of doing something which can make a big difference. And they're all trained to play 90 minutes. It's not like a 60-minute flipping player where it's like, well, this is the point now. you got to take them off. Because, you know, at this point, they can't do any more. Can't do any more after 60. This is it. So I get it. Like, you don't make a change just because you want to. Well, sorry, not just because you want to. Like, you make a change if it's the right thing to do and you can see the effect it's going to have on the game. And if it's not something that's going to have a really obvious effect, then what's going on out there? Because everybody's tired. But you, you get this with, like, the number of, of games where, and I'm not talking Guardiola City, I'm talking about, like, just any City era and any kind of era of any team where people say, well, he'll, he'll probably make a change on about 60. It's like, why wait till the 60th minute? If, need, if the change needs making, make it at half-time or yeah, make it in, like, make it after 40 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. Like, if you need to make the change tactically, then make so. the change. Did, if you don't need to, then what are you doing it for? Did you see, did you see Guardiola's specific reasoning for the subs thing as anyway? Because normally, you know, we know, and he's talked about it before, it's the type of players that he's coming on and, you know, away from home. He said it after the Leipzig game. He goes, maybe in the second leg I'll do something crazy and play nine strikers, but in the first leg, especially, we need more passes. Mm -hmm. And it's about the the type of players that he's got. And on the bench, you know, the, he hasn't got another like Gundogan or Bernardo on the bench. It's Foden or it's Alvarez who want to like get forward and attack more. And he talked about that more 
after the Madrid game. But I think it was the first time he'd actually said himself. It was, it, it was in terms of the signals that those players would bring to the others. He was like, I didn't want you, I, to bring I, on a more dynamic player to make the other players feel like their movements dynamic, needed to yeah. be more dynamic. They needed to be more stay in their position. Did he? Use am, the ball. Am, I, am I imagining this? Did he say that about the Spurs Champions League game? He didn't say that, but but that, that was, was the true. inference. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because it, that was true. It was, that was something that I talked about at the time. God, love four years ago yeah. but this was the first time he'd actually said it himself because it was like like why are you bringing Sane and De Bruyne on on 89 minutes for like two minutes yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's because he was like well I don't want to send the signal that we're going to yeah I don't think he said that but that was the yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the inference yeah. yeah but it wasn't the inference it was just like the kind of that was the noise from people around him at the time that's why he did it yeah, yeah. I've got to say as well some managers they do have an idea of the changes they want to make before the game as well but that's all on the assumption that the game's going the way that they hope it will be. Yeah, you know what I mean. So let's ne- not be too reactive. For never, never happens that. <laughs> the number of podcasts I've done where I've recorded it before a game to go. Oh, if this happens, we'll put this bit out. If this happens, we'll put this bit out. Yeah. And then something else has happened entirely, and you go, well. it's, "It's that." Especially now, it's that bonkers time of the season where you can see Everton beat Brighton away from home, and then see Brighton beat Arsenal away from home. So Jamie Vardy didn't like playing against. <sighs> Detested it. Anyone else? Um, I'd probably say for the first few years, anyone playing for Man United, just because we weren't getting anything, were we? You know what I mean? <laughs> anyone playing for Man United at Old Trafford, it's like, nah, just, there's no point really. It's just, it was agony. It's just sense of inevitability about the situation, whether we're playing well, normally, differently, whatever. Like, here we go. There's that red shirt. Someone's got wheeling off in the corner. Like, even... Think of the year, I think it's 20, 2009, 10 maybe, where Skull scores a header in the last second of the mm-hmm. game. You know what I mean? Like, disgusting. Like, I like Paul because he lives near me and all that sound, but for God's sake, man, just so much trauma involved in it. Looking back at those times against them, hated yeah. it with a passion. Like the 94th minute as well. Uh, header, Paul Skulls, a header in the six yard box or whatever. Just don't, just like, why is he there? Because it's what he does. <laughs> yeah, it's like you were saying about Lampard. Like the ball's dropping. I know that's yeah. not that wasn't the ball dropping. It wasn't the second ball, but like yeah, just to sense where to be. And it's, lo and behold, does it yet again? Yeah, mm. third third last minute winner that season as well. well yeah, but I always Scarlet. had the feeling from a different perspective at the time. Obviously, I was like, this there's there's going to be some like universe balancing out act soon, and then that was the sixth one, mm. and maybe and, a and the, and the rest of, of that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the last decade, you could argue that it's a good case for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would argue not not enough yet, but, you know. (laughs) Let's pause for a quick break now. When we return, we're going to be talking about superstitions. We'll find out if Nadem's got any, and you'll find out one that I've definitely got back in a few minutes. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Let's take this from uh, Jay Tivo, who says, uh, do players actually care about derbies when they come about? Or for most of the squad, is it just another game because they don't have that inbuilt desire to beat their City rivals? bit difficult for you this because obviously City United was was a rivalry that you've had anyway mm. yeah but then like but then QPR maybe I don't know well mm. being in MLS as well like, mm. I bet that was completely different yeah the MLS side of things is yeah that one we'll cut that to the side that's that's not real you know what I mean because some of the rivalries we're talking about here they've been going on like you'll find three four generations of fan going to games you know what I mean that's different yeah there's like a real history as well between say like Manchester, Liverpool, that sort of thing. North, South, you know, Yorkshire, Lancashire, all that type of stuff. So it's more than just the game itself. And the Derbys themselves, um, I think when you go to a new club, you don't necessarily need to be from the city to understand which games are the most important because Mm. fans will tell you. And if you're trying to win something, then great. But the games will always be important. I don't think there'll be a point where, where it's not because of the fact that, like, this has been a rivalry for decades, if not a century. So, like I say, you don't necessarily have the same feel as somebody who was born and raised in a city, who has friends who support United, friends who support City, who've been through it for all the years, and so on and so forth. But right, but like derbies always matter. Like it's the you, the club. That's why the club will always sort of market that game. You know, I, when I used to play, I used to check. This is wherever I was. First game of the season, home or away. Last game of the season, home or away. Derbies, and then. Christmas Boxing Day, yeah, yeah, to see whether you're home or away because that'll dictate what that period's like. Yeah, yeah. But they're they're the key ones because those derbies matter. Like I played, um, so the, the Manchester derby is like it's a thing now. It was less of a thing as such from the United perspective in the nineties because they were so good. And like some people are very quick to forget about the fact that City had three years of no rival, no derbies because we weren't in the Premiership, which seems kind of wild when you think about how dominant they've been recently. But that Sunderland-Newcastle one, this is how deep it was. I would say that most people up there, or some people up there, as long as they beat their rivals and finished one place above them, it made no difference if they were 19th because it means that they've still got the upper hand on their rival. And that game was everything. So even though you're not from the city, you you arrive there and you know that game is everything. I'd reckon a lot of Sunderland and Newcastle fans will be able to tell you the results of all the derbies across the years, more so than the team's final position. And that's because of how important those games are, because the emotions that come from it, the sort of bragging rights and the fact that, like, it's the those are the two biggest games you have up there. Anyone else coming up is great. Doing well is great. You could finish top of the league, but if you lose two derbies, there's this bitterness that comes from that season because you've lost twice to your rival. And they do want to win things. But trust me, Derby's always first. I find it interesting that because you think of, what was it, 07, 08, the Derby double, um, where United won the league that season. Um, 07, 08. 07, 08. And it's kind of a two-way street because United just, well, we won the league. Mm. It's like, we're, we're fine. It's like, yeah, but... We beat you home and away. That's like it's, it, there's there's a fine balance there. Well, the roles Where, are reversed now, haven't they? With that yeah. seventeen eighteen season, when City obviously could have won it like historically early, and United won, 
and like I saw recently it was like oh it's been five years since this on like United Twitter accounts tweeting it and it's like still won the league still won the league like, what, and by what kind what, of consolation a record this? 19 points or whatever yeah. it was yeah yeah. Until, until the derby doesn't mean anything to the fans it'll always mean something to the players and like I say you might not necessarily have the history but you'll pick up on it very quickly because if you as a player do something in a derby game you'll be remembered forever I think um, there was a guy, uh, it was a few years ago, I came across, and he tattooed the starting 11 for City when we won at Old Trafford in 2008 on his leg or something. Someone him just on someone's leg like that, and it's, it's very easy to realise how important the game is. Did he get to sign it? God, no. I hope so, sign I hope, it, then he tattoos res- it. Respectfully, I hope I never see him again, but <laughs> like that... <laughs> But that's the nature of it. It's, I hope he's a subscriber. It's always, he won't be. It's always, it's always, always, always like the the big build up. Like City these days, you know, you see the excitement about playing like Liverpool's and stuff. Didn't quite see it when it was playing Arsenal at home. But like, you know, that rivalry in terms of success and so on and so forth. But beating United is always going to be a thing. And you can try and play it down. But it's, as Sam was saying, like United are still talking about a win which they had against City five years ago in a season where City won the Premier League title. So clearly it does matter. And City would rather not have that over their head, even though they lifted the trophy in the end. Nice role reversal, though. From, That's what I mean. From the tables are turned massively. Yeah. Yeah. But you still. You've got to kind of enjoy that. But you don't like being. Perspective, but you don't like being. Un, you don't like pretending to be unbothered by losing a derby game. And you. For the FA Cup final, <laughs> if you were to lose one, which would be the one team you wouldn't want to lose again? Oh, absolutely, United. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's Derby and United and Wigan are the two teams I don't want to face <laughs> in the FA Cup final. Yeah, the United game. I was thinking. Oh, I, Liverpool though. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, yeah, let's not. Yeah, I, I've done a le- the League Cup. Actually, the League Cup final against Liverpool was unbearable. I'm uh, yeah. I'm uh, working that game, and I was thinking about the analysis and stuff that will come afterwards, and I'm thinking like. I'll probably, be, if City win, I think I'll probably be more relieved than I will be jubilant about them winning the FA Cup. You've already said we're going out. Yeah, I'd probably be, <laughs> as I say, I'd probably be more relieved than jubilant, which says a lot about that game itself. And it's not necessarily due to, well, it's, it's essentially due to the rival because I just, like Man United, they're just that team. And I respect everything that they've done. But I, I don't like them, man. I don't, I just can't. So I've got so many friends who I'm so close with United fans. Great guys, great people. Their history's great. But when you just get pounded by United for flipping 20-odd years, it's very hard to just assume that game doesn't matter anymore. And there's so many of them as well. There's so many. They're everywhere. And they've got loud voices when they're doing well. And it's it's a lot of hard work, I'd say. But no, nah, but quiet recently, though. Listen, people can find the voice very quickly, so I try not to like poke them ever. I just let them just carry on with the business and say, hey, you know what I mean? You're having a great season. I hate that tempting fate thing because I know in my heart of hearts that it doesn't mean anything. That like you can't tempt fate. There's no such thing. Oh, as yeah, it. God, but then the amount, I must you still do it once a week. In fact, I've, I just don't really do tweets like that anymore. But whenever I was like tweeting during the game or whatever, people would be like, oh, like, you jinxed it or whatever. I was like, there is no such thing as that. When, people, when people believe that what you, you as an individual yeah. are saying, it's now had a direct effect on something that you've got nothing to do with. Yeah, like that's it's like football fandom in general. What a wild thing! To I do. find it. I find it incredible. The number of people who say, "Well, I, you know, I walk this way to the ground." Oh yeah, people it, because like it's, because it's lucky, whatever. and it's like it's really cute like that it. you think yeah, that like that, it, that has yeah. some sort of impact it, on the game. Whichever way you walk to the Etihad tends to work out pretty well overall. So <laughs> that's fine. We'll make continue. I walked a different route for the Brentford home game, and I haven't walked that route since. So I will. I'll have you know it. It matters. 
let's take this from uh, John Robbo, who says, uh, I'd oh, like the God. views especially of Nadem on fans in a home end. Uh, given the new North Stand plans, how will the new Etihad influence City? I've got a question for listeners. If anyone knows what that means, <laughs> we've had a heated, we had a heated discussion before this show about what this means. I don't we? Get it. Who was getting heated? Me. Okay. I don't get it. I don't know what it means. Um... Can you have a heated discussion if one person is losing, <laughs> losing their shit and nobody else is bothered? Yeah, it was a discussion that was heated. There's your semantics. Yeah, he was, you were trying to heat it up. We weren't biting. But, um, well, go on then. I think, I think now he's talking about having a stand that's just bigger than all the others, mm. which will... What is this based on? Go on up, just the start of it. What, so it's, read it again, just to start again, please. I'd like views, especially Nadem's, on fans in a home end. In a home end. So he's trying to, he's like created the spectacle of a stand that's bigger than all the others. And as so, a like, so like Dortmund or the Cop? Or yeah, yeah. The, new, the new North stand, full of City fans. Yeah, he's trying to, I think he's, and I could, listen, we're putting words in his mouth, which just could be completely wrong. But if he's talking about creating a stand, mm. which is different to the other ones, which is going to be more intense, which is like, um, although it's, it's a weird example, like the North stand, say the way that at, at Main Road when City fans were in there, obviously the way fans were in there as well, but that had a very, particular atmosphere a vibe to it. Yeah. yeah yeah if that's what they're going to create then i think from a fan's perspective it's uh, sorry not sorry from a player perspective maybe you can turn it into like a place that dictates the atmosphere yeah. which means that when you're playing at home it's always going to be high energy because the focus is always going to be there and that'll be bleeding around into the other stands and yeah that's the end that city th- tend to go for in the second half as well isn't it yeah i also i think that'll be That'll be interesting because it's the South Stand now, which makes all the noise. I know, like the City fans who go, like the joke is about, oh, they're never going to show, they're never going to show the South Stand on like BT for Champions League games because it's just rowdy. But they'll always show like the Family Stand where it's not as good. But now, if you've got the North Stand, which is like a big thing, which becomes part of like the City story, I think we've already seen recently how the Etihad is fortress I, i'm I'm on football cliches watch basically but like in terms of being a fortress like you you, you know you, you know you're going to get an awful game as an op, as an opponent playing against city and the atmosphere in the big games in particular the big champions league games the big premier league games it's is really good yeah. and that's already without this so now if you've got another 10 15 years after this is built and i don't know if city are going to carry on being this successful after guardiola i mean they'll probably will still be successful to this level i don't know but if that's part of the story as well this big north stand then That'll be interesting because all of a sudden then, unless they like relocate everyone from the south stand to that, you've then got two ends that are making noise, which I don't think you have at most, most really. grounds. Because yeah. at most grounds, there's just one, There's... whether it's like, Palace got the Holmesdale end yeah. and that, it's that one. Um, well, Everton, they're just moaning from all sides. <laughs> but like United's the Stratford end, Liverpool's the cop, and the other end is not so much. But if, if City were to manufacture that into like, having two ends, that would be quite something. Mm. But I, th- I don't think they would do two. I think they'd just try and get everyone into the one. Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? And and that would... Well, the, the, it's almost like the solution because the year after year after year, there's there's talk about the, where the away fans are in the Etihad is problematic to the home, to getting the home fans and an atmosphere going in that end because there isn't a, a collective end. But it's not easy to move the away fans. You can't... I think it's police reasons. You can't just put them somewhere else in the, in the stadium. Mm. So it's almost like, well, let's just create it at the other end and we'll we'll kind of deal with yeah, that problem re rejig the whole thing with the home fans and we'll put it at, 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 the, at the other end and and as you say city tend to attack the north stand end in the second half mm. so that could 
So the Etihad's been open, is it 20 years? Yeah. Like, it's starting to not feel new anymore because you're creating history and memories there. Mm. Even though, you know, in the grand scheme of some of these stadiums, it's like one of the newer ones. You create sort of that stand, but then it continues with the history of the club itself. Then maybe there is more hostility that will exist within that stadium towards most opposition teams. And don't get me wrong, it's not like every stadium around the country is constantly loud, but it adds to that identity. And I think if you can have a section like that, then as a player, you know, if you arrive through the Dortmund City on day one and you go and see the stadium, you say, oh, that's the end where where the noise comes from, most of all. And it's this fan base. Same way you'll talk about the cop. Same way you hear people talk about Stratford and United and so on and so forth. I think that adds to the identity of the football mm. club as such. And it's almost like a justification for the reality of who they are in terms of a significant team in the history of the Premier League and hopefully English football going forward. So if they can do that, if they can get the right people in there, they can have that sort of sound in there, then it, yeah, people, as Sam was saying, like it's cliche watch, but it's turned into a bit of a fortress. And if you can add to that, then it makes it even better. And from a fan's perspective, from, sorry, from a player's perspective, like you, let me talk, let me tell you this way, okay? I'm going to segue into this, all right? When you go to Liverpool, first thing I always try and say to the captain is if you win the toss, change ends. Because when you arrive, all you hear, oh, sorry, if you've watched Liverpool on TV ever, you talk about commentators getting all excited about, oh, Liverpool attacking the cop end in the second half. This is where magic happens. They're sucking the ball into the goal. It's 100% not a thing. But the players for Liverpool believe it. Well, we've got, like, we, we accidentally got onto superstitions in the last one. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by superstitions because yeah. if the players believe it, even though it has no material effect, yeah. it surely has some sort of effect. It does, yeah. If Just think about it. In, in our lifetimes, we've had... Do you remember those uh, yellow power bracelets with a hologram inside it, which you used to wear? Um, no. It's like a... It was, it's, do you know like... Well, to be fair, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. You're about... I'm the oldest about, about, about 12 months older than me. Okay, so it was... With a hologram inside it? Yeah, it was like 20... 2005, six. It was like a power band. It was a little bracelet with a little hologram inside it. And apparently it was making people stronger, fitter, healthier and all this stuff. He's been advertised by loads of sports stars. It was around the time of the um, Lance Armstrong bracelet. I remember the Live well. Strong. Um, yeah, but there was this one. I people were paying for it. Loads of sponsors. This. Wow. You don't remember the Lance Armstrong yellow no. wristbands? Oh, Everyone had them. Yeah. That was I, well, a one thing I didn't do, I didn't have either because I always thought with the hologram, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, the hologram things. I've never heard of that. You'll see that. when We'll search for it in a bit. But from there, people started performing better. Oh, right. Even though placebo it's comp- Exactly. It's placebo effect. It's not real. But if you can hack the brain, then you can make it believe that it's so. And when you play Liverpool at the cop and you've got a lead, like, firstly, they're at home, so they're going to come on the front foot, yeah? That's realistic. But then all of a sudden, if a team wins, if they win a corner, you're in 30,000 people going nuts. So it's this illusion of being under more pressure. But a corner itself, as we all know, doesn't lead to a goal very often. I I have a theory that corners are um, are actually just, like, not worth the time and it's, effort. It's, but for most teams, it's just a passing of uh, yeah. the set piece that we have to do or whatever. Like, people get more excited about free kicks from 20 yards out. They believe they're going to score then. But, like, nothing's happening there. Most, either, most really. of them go in, yeah. But it's like a real sense of, like, excitement. And then, say, they win a free kick, win, make a tackle, get a shot off nearby. It's like, whew. Like, the, there's a reason why some players found it easier to play when there were no fans in the stands. 
because essentially all they're doing then is just playing the game of football without the outside noise making you think that something's good and all home, bad. home advantage disappeared in lockdown didn't it home advantage yeah. disappeared yeah and you end up just being on a field with set dimensions and it's like the players don't get me wrong like the players are still all very very good and so on but it's just different you know what i mean it's just completely different because you don't like i know myself through all the stuff that I did in my career, scored goals, won games and so on, one of the highlights in terms of a specific moment, a specific moment, was making a tackle against the Chelsea left-back in front of the East stand and everyone went nuts. And that gave me a boost for the next five, ten minutes within the game. <laughs> and it was a tackle at the halfway line, completely pointless, completely pointless. So the crowd definitely is a thing. Uh, you don't know that was pointless. They might... that that move There's could have a, could have resulted in a goal at the other end so, so some people are saying that that tackle meant that city were going to win a premier league title in 2023 yeah. you, you know don't the mean? butterfly effect you don't there know you, you so don't all know down to me all down to me if i if <laughs> i was half a second late i would have had a yellow card as well i think yeah. it could have gone wrong but instead i won it but um yeah playing like always change hands because all of a sudden then the the experience which is meant to be very familiar for many all of a sudden becomes unfamiliar to some because they'll attack the cop end but then the second half feels weird even though it's still a field it feels weird because maybe now a lot of the sounds behind you instead of in front of you in terms mm. of the way that you want to go City against Villa yeah Villa turned City around on the last day of and last no, season turning people around um, from the coin toss and stuff it's one of those things where realistically they could just get rid of it because 90% of the time it never changes because no one can be bothered changing ends because you feel like it doesn't matter but then the ones that want to do it the ones who want to have that sort of like awkward situation where you run all the 11 players of the opposition have to run past you and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, this is it. Change ends. Let's go. And then that sense of unfamiliarity just means however you view the game will always be perceived as different, even though you still get two halves of football where they attack the same goals like always. Yeah. Always. The, the only experience I've ever had of changing ends is Sunday league football and only doing it because the sun's a bit low on yeah, this side yeah, and I'm yeah. in goal at this end and I want to have the sun behind me. Yeah, it's, uh, if, they it's got, like, if they got rid of that that rule or process where you could change ends, like no one would care because nobody uses it. What's the option? You win the toss. What's the option? Is it you take got, kickoff or you, change ends? Uh, yeah, essentially. Which ultimately is, yeah. both feel particularly well, pointless. Well, to be fair, I say this, but I, I retired a little while ago now, so I don't even know. But um, yeah, it's the kickoff thing. Some people like to start with the ball in the second half, so they might defer it and so on. So that's that is the thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, genuinely. Like the change ends, you do it to try and upset to like affect the flow, and you tend to do it in places where you feel like there's an obvious thing, like a cop or a Stratford end, and so on and so forth. But then as you do it, you hear, oh, for God's sake, why are we changing ends? That's good, like, that's good as yeah, well, like though, it. isn't it? Yeah, I like it for that reason. Yeah, like people are just, oh, they're so busy. Just guy. upset, just upset people. Yeah. yeah well, it wasn't it Tyrone Mings who was the Villa captain? Yeah, and it may have been, been like yeah. a group player decision, but it could easily, that is just a Tyrone Mings thing yeah, to do. Yeah. Strikes me as a Tyrone it, it Mings It appears thing to distinctly do. pointless, but it might take away 1% from the opposition and it feels different. And if it feels different, then yeah, you've got to figure out how to get through it. We've mentioned superstitions a couple of times. Have you ever seen any from players that are like wild? Did you have any? I don't have any superstitions now. I, I I live too much in the world of logic to like. Do I thought, stuff I like thought that, that'd be yeah. your answer, but but then again, like I I'd say that, and yet I do have superstitions. Go on, like what? Well, it's it's little things. It's like when I'm playing, I don't like when I put so, put if I I put do my right leg before my left leg and do do my left leg first. It just feels a bit wrong. Right, well, so that's not logical, then, is it? But it's but there's no logic. I don't play better. 
the with superstition, it's just it's one of those things where unless you play for a team that's won all their games you, with you doing the same thing, then what happens when you lose? You just discount it. It's that. So that's, that's, so I know. It, I know so it's pointless. No, I've I've not really had any big superstitions like that. And as I got older, I just got more and more relaxed. Like there were people I was playing with who had to do certain parts of their individual warm up at specific times. Like one hour before, they had to do this, and it had to last for sixty seconds, and it had to be this next thing, and so on and so forth. And it was all good until one day we were arriving late to a stadium and like they're trying to do the same things on the team bus on the way in. Not quite got the same space. Um, but for me, like I knew how to do bits to get ready. But ultimately, as long as I felt fine, you're all right. I was fine. So it meant that I spent a lot of time just talking to my teammates and stuff whilst I was just getting ready, just chit-chatting. And then you come out and you're in a good mood because essentially what you're doing is going to go and play football. And that's it for episode number three of Let Me Talk Details. Thank you for listening and for getting in touch. If you'd like to send in a question for a future episode, you can reach us on our socials or you can email as well, hello at lmtpod.com. Sam, there was more from this episode. What extra bits of members got? Yeah, well, we go even more in depth on everything we've talked about and there's a whole extra section about footballers who don't really like playing football made them as ever you gave us a slightly different perspective of course of course of course and uh it's always things we don't expect yeah and here's a little bit of insight for you if you don't watch a game that's on tv live it means you don't like football as well how about that (laughs) there we go little taste of things to come yeah so if you'd like that then you can sign up all the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.